0: Well, we're glad everybody joined us back at the Pursuit, the story behind the story podcast, where we are talking and digging in a little deeper with each of the five different guest speakers we had at an event here where we talked about how God relentlessly pursues us in our lives. And so today, my sweet friend, Samantha Staten, is with me. Welcome. Thank you. And she is going to start off pretending. Nobody that is listening came to the pursuit. So give me the quick bullet points of what you shared that evening.
1: Okay, bullet points. So when I was a kid, I knew that I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be um, a pop star or a country star, and then it moved on to a Christian singer um so I did everything that I could do to become the best singer that I could be. I took voice lessons, I did all of those things. And then I went to college and I started to really study voice and to really dig into how all of that works. And the more that I sang and um trained classically, the more that I realized that I was a really good classical singer. Um so I decided to pursue opera. I wanted to be an opera singer. So that took me down a different path Um, instead of the pop music and all of that other fun kind of music. I really got strict with myself and started to pursue the classical style of singing, which is um, very difficult and it's very structured. And I had to do a lot of language and a lot of the really hard studying and preparing and all of that stuff. So I spent several years studying that in college, and then I spent a couple more years um, preparing for graduate school, trying to get into graduate school, and I um, finally got into the Cincinnati Conservatory. That was after I had been rejected by several other top top schools in the country, including Juilliard School of Music, um, Curtis Institute of Music. Um, North Carolina School of the Arts. I could go on and on and on with the rejections, but I finally got into the Cincinnati Conservatory. So my husband Stephen and I moved to Cincinnati in 2005, and I got a master's degree in vocal performance. And um, let's see, quick version, quick version. I um, got my master's degree, and through this process, you know, I did all the auditions for um, opera companies and symphonies. And I, I probably did hundreds, hundreds of them. Wow. And I received mostly rejections. And that's that's common in this business. Anyone who's in the arts knows that you probably get 100 rejections per every acceptance or job that's or something tough. like that. It's really tough. And I guess it's worse for some people. It was worse for me. So I I didn't get a lot of opportunity and I didn't get hired a lot. Um it was very discouraging. Mm -hmm. So um, is that, that, I guess that's kind of the quick version there. So a lot of rejection, a lot of hard work, a lot of pressure on me, a lot of pressure on my marriage through those three years. So, and even after, after that, a couple of years, I I kept um, pursuing that goal. So just, you know, sing, sing, sing all the time. So that was my, that was my life pretty much for many, many years.
0: Wow. So I think a lot of, us listening can relate to your story. Definitely not the trained opera singer <laughs> yeah. part of it, but dealing with rejections. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us have faced rejection, but you are saying you got multiple no's after no's after no's. So how did you first deal with the, the, the disappointments of hearing that? Knowing like, this is a plan I had for my life. I'm trained. I'm really good. I'm mm-hmm. hearing no's. How did you deal with that?
1: Um, I didn't really deal with it. Honestly, I, I had I thought about this. I really didn't deal, or at least I didn't deal in a healthy way. Um, for me, it was I was always I was taught. Well, if you if you get rejected, if you hear a no, you work harder. You mm-hmm. work harder and harder and harder until you get the yes. So I dove deeper, and instead of practicing three hours a day, I would practice four hours a day. So um, that went on for a couple of years, and I had mentioned the stress. In, in my marriage, and it, it really was it really was stressful because I was putting this um, above everything else. Practice had to come first. It came before God. It came before my marriage. It came before church. It came before anything. There were times when I wouldn't even go to church for a couple of weeks just because I was so busy with practicing. So when you ask how did I deal with it, I dealt with it, I guess, by working even harder, mm-hmm. um, and. I had a lot of anger and frustration, and I I don't know if I would say grief, maybe grief, because I was grieving what I felt like I deserved and what I felt like I should have had, and I was looking around at everybody else and seeing what they had, and in in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I know that I worked so much harder than them, and I know that, honestly, I'm probably a little better than them, too, so if I'm being real, I was prideful, so I don't. I guess that kind of answers the question. It does. I was angry. I didn't deal, or if I, if you consider working harder, dealing with it. I guess that's how I dealt with it. I yeah. just decided to dive deeper and keep working, yeah. which really wasn't healthy.
0: No, but I think it's something that we can relate to. Yeah.
1: Because
0: hearing no is hard, especially when we feel like no, but this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I've trained to do. This is what I'm good at doing. And why? Why have I put all this in and keep getting no? So, I think a lot of people hear that, whether it's in their own women in their own careers. I know there are women who are trying desperately to have a family, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just seems to be, you know, negative tests. Negative, and they're like, I'm doing everything I can. And that I think it's refreshing to hear I delved too deep in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I became yeah. prideful because that's just keeping it real. And I it think it makes
1: it even harder when you feel like you're doing what. God has laid out for you Mm -hmm. when you feel like, well, I'm supposed to, I really feel like I'm supposed to do this. So it it makes it even more frustrating when you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, yet not doing what you're supposed to be doing.
0: Does that make sense? Yes. And I love that at the event, you had shared that in the midst of this, your husband, Stephen, is getting like cold to like go Mm -hmm. be pastor, like, somewhere you don't even want to go. <laughs> I know. Like, you don't even want to go. And it's like, why are his plans, like, working out and mine aren't? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that added to the discourage. It did. Discouraged feeling.
1: It did. But wh- well, one thing that was interesting, when I um, found out I, I got into the conservatory, um, I said, you know, in in the um, conference, I, me- I said this, that I said, well, you can come or you can stay, but I'm definitely going. So mm-hmm. he um, immediately got his resume out. And what's interesting is he didn't even send it to the church that we ended up at. Somebody saw it accidentally and forwarded it on to that church secretary up in Cincinnati, Ohio. And that's how they got his resume. And honestly, he didn't have a lot of experience at that point, but they called him anyway or an interview. And we went up and interviewed and they hired him on the spot. So, well, the church voted. They had to vote. Right. But they voted him right in. They did. And it wasn't even supposed, like we weren't even supposed to interview with that church. It just, (laughs) it just sort of happened. Our resume ended up there. And what is also amazing is this church, we were there for many years. They sent us out to plant our church later on. And we still have such amazing relationships with these people. Mm. God wanted us at that church. He used me in my, I look at it like this. I may not have done exactly what I wanted, but he used me through all of my selfishness and I guess grief or anger and frustration. He used me at the conservatory to get Stephen where he needed to be to get us to plant the church, to get us to Florida. Eventually. Right? Like, I mean, it was Looking like, back, you yes, can see God's hand
0: in all I of that. I see
1: God's hand in all of it. You know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have laughed because that sounds ridiculous. But every single thing that happened
0: brought us to the next point. Mm-hmm. That is so good. It really is good. So, in the midst of trying to make your own plans happen, when you said, I just delved in deeper, I was working harder, I got more focused, how did you see the Lord pursuing you? Because many of us have had like, um, a hyper focus on the way that we think our life is supposed to go, or it should be going so much so that we miss what God is doing all along the way, because we're so focused on that. So when you're looking back, how is the Lord pursuing you even when you were so busy and not really seeking him?
1: Hmm. Let me think. Okay. So I know, that God pursued me through other people
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and through through situations, through all of the rejection letters and emails. He, he used all of that for me. Does that make sense? Yes. It's really hard to explain, but I can talk about how he pursued me through other people. That's one I can kind of land on for a minute. Um, I had um, in college uh, a vocal coach, actually, she um was a strong believer and she was a mentor for me so through everything that i i would go through all of the um the good things and the bad things or the hard things even in in my early marriage because i got married at 21 after my junior year of college she was a mentor for me so god pursued me through her just i remember she would call me and say Okay, I have this Bible study you need to do, or I have this book you need to read. And and God put this scripture on my heart today mm. and I need to share this with you. So she pursued me through her and you know, even little things like, well, let's get together, let's practice your music today, because she was my pianist. So she played for me and accompanied me and coached me in all of my languages. She mm. um she worked with me so diligently and through all of that, she she never gave up knowing, it's hard to explain, like knowing that God had this, had given me this gift Mm. and knowing that there was something that I was going to do. There were several, some things that I was going to do in the future. So even 20 years ago, she would, she invested in me. That's a good Mm. word. She invested in me spiritually, um, mentally, physically. I remember she would say, you need to go play basketball. You need to go to the gym. You need to, you need to stay physically healthy too. And I know that might sound like not, a big deal, but I know that Mm. God used her and pursued, pursued me through this relationship, through this friendship. And, um, it, it meant so much to me. So now, you know, 10 years later, 15, 20 years later, it's been put on my heart to remember that. And that's why mentoring younger women is so important to me, even the student girls at church. Um, I love to work with singers. I love to work with young singers. Um, and not just musically, I love to invest in them spiritually. Mm. I love to pray with them. I want to talk with them. I want to meet with them. I'm not really good in big groups, but I absolutely love taking somebody out to coffee and just hearing their story and just Mm. hearing all about them. And I think that's so important to me because I saw how that helped me how this relationship that I had all those years ago and still have today with this person, um, I I see how that the Lord used that to carry me through, and I want to be that for others. I want to to be their encouragement. So I don't know if that exactly answers the question um, of how he pursued me, but I know that's what that was what was on my heart when I originally read that question. That yes. was what came to my but mind. But it is
0: it, and that's the part of where he wants us in community. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus himself chose to live in community with 12 other men. Mm-hmm. He could have done walking life alone, but he chose to have people around him to pour into and to have them encourage him. You know what I mean? And so the idea of community is I think how God speaks to us or pursues us, you know, because this, Mm -hmm. this teacher, this vocal coach of yours would not only help you remember to work hard at what you were doing, but to take care of yourself physically. But so many times it sounded like she pointed you back to Jesus. Every time.
1: Exactly. Every time. Because you weren't
0: seeking him on your own. Because you said, I wouldn't even go to church some Sundays because I Mm -hmm. was just, you know, working and practicing and doing all that. So the fact that she was constantly pointing you back to Jesus and now that you are turning around and doing the same thing for others that's a legacy exactly you know right? legacy, legacy i've not
1: thought of that word but that is that is kind of an amazing word yes exactly perfect
0: all right another question okay so in all of this was there ever like a tipping point for you like a moment a conversation or circumstance something that turned your attention from really pursuing I'm going to do this no matter who's going with me. I, I'm, this is what I'm doing. too. Lord, you know what? You may have a different plan for my life, at least for right now, and I'm going to surrender to that. Was there a moment where you went from going one way to the other?
1: Yes. Oh, actually, I there are two moments that I'll, I'll talk about briefly. Yes. Um, the first one was um I I had applied um at the conservatory after I finished my master's twice, two years in a row, to get into the Artist Diploma Program. And that is a non-academic program, which is perfect for me because I am non-academic <laughs> in every way. So it's, it, it's a program for performers. You, you perform operas, and you learn roles, and basically that's all you do for two years. It's not academic at all. It just gives you more experience. So I tried for two years to get into that program, and after the second year, I remember feeling so defeated I, I can't I can't explain just the letdown after mm-hmm. I got that after I got that no I mean I really felt like that's what God wanted me to do He wanted me to stay in Cincinnati and Stephen was going to stay at this church we were going to stay at this church and I got this no and I thought well what in the world am I supposed to do now I'm here I'm working um, at a retail store at the mall mm. and I hate it and I'm still practicing two to three hours a day and for what what? What am Mm. I supposed to do? So that was a turning point and it, it kind of crept up in the back of my mind at that point. I guess that was 2009, 2010, 2011. Um, you know, maybe there is something more to life than singing (laughs) and practicing and doing all of these things, which had consumed me for Uh years. I mean consumed me I mean you can even when I talk about consumed I mean it it consumed me. I remember times when Stephen would have to stop what he was doing and come and take okay this is hilarious I worked at a daycare at our church this is random and there there was a couple of times where I was so overwhelmed with what I had to practice that I made him come and take my shift at the daycare <laughs> so that I could go practice. okay I know I I'm, I'm the worst so now you know it, and he did it. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, wow. several times actually. So, because I would lose my mind if I did not get my the two practicing. to three to four hours of practicing mm. a day that I thought I had to have. So I know, looking back, man, oh, I, mm, I don't know how I don't know how I lived through that. I don't know how he he lived through that honestly because I was a mess. So. I don't even know where I was going with all that. I just wanted to throw I that. I had actually
0: a tipping point. Little you story. Said that was a tipping point for me. <laughs>
1: yes, that was a tipping point. So it crept up in my mind. Maybe there's something else that I need to start looking at. I'm going to keep singing, but I'm going to open my mind up a little bit. So I remember it was at that point I became a little more engaged in our church. I mean, I loved them, but I tried to go more and be more a part of things and Mm -hmm. really try to get to know the people more because I had been there for several years and I, I didn't have really strong relationships at that point because I was so wrapped up in school and so consumed by the idea of hard work and music and every, and all of that stuff and just being in a master's program. So I remember thinking I need to, I need to branch out a little bit. I need to get more involved So that was one the sec and and that 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 was fine. That was good. But the really big one came with my first pregnancy. When I found out I was pregnant with Siler, our beautiful, amazing 12 year old boy. (laughs) I realized, okay, something, something, something is changing. This is big. So that was a that was a tipping point for me and tell
0: them why that was big.
1: Because, okay, so yes, if you weren't at the conference, I did not want kids. Mm. I didn't want kids. So we had been married for 10 years at this point. And even after, you know, I, I was pregnant, I was like, I guess I do want a kid, you know, at that point. I did not want kids. And it's funny, and, it, and now we have five kids. <laughs> so, and everybody thinks that's that's hilarious. I do, I love that. Hilarious, it is. It's pretty Pretty gosh darn funny so have we have five kids we have four boys and our little girl Sophia who will be three in May and she is a diva a diva so love her to death but so um yeah so that was a that was a big deal so Mm. my mind went from it it did like a complete turnaround went from hours a day to practice of practice to I'm gonna have a kid what (laughs) What am I going to do? I need to read these parenting books. I need to learn some stuff. So my mind just shifted. I became, I became, I, I, again, it was like less selfish. Mm-hmm. I was more involved with other people. I wanted to spend time with other people mm-hmm. and just get to know other people. It was like a shift in my attitude. Just everything, everything started to change with that first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, each pregnancy after, it, it was like God. Let, God was helping me to to let go a little bit more, not of my dream necessarily, but to turn it over more and more right. to Him. Right. So I got to the you know the point that I'm, I'm still I was still singing. I would do some things with the local symphony and some some choir things, which I really enjoyed. And I w- I teach voice, and I I've been teaching voice for twenty two years, and I love all of it. And you know that was fine, but I just wasn't thinking about it as much. So you know at this point. It's not off my radar, but it's definitely not the most important thing. I mean, it's way down on the list,
0: way down on the list. So those, I guess, were my two turning points. Yeah, that reframed your thought process. Not again, not that singing is not important. It's just like, okay, I'm probably just going to lean in to the Lord and his plan for my life, knowing that if he's given me this desire and this ability, that he will use it. At some point.
1: Yes, exactly. And it's For not. For his glory. It's, absolutely. It's still not always easy. I mean. No. You know, oh, no.
0: <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was going to ask you next. Like, is life all rainbows? Uh-huh. And, and butterflies. And butterflies uh-huh. right now? Because you decided to uh-huh. surrender it all to Jesus? No. Right. I
1: mean, I absolutely love my life. I know. I, I, I complain sometimes because my kids are crazy. Because there are four boys. And then Sophia, who thinks she can do anything. So. Um, I wouldn't change anything. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I homeschool them right now. And there are days when I say, you know what, let's just go to the pool. (laughs) So we're all just done. Let's just go. But I love my kids. I love Steven. I love our family and I love being in Florida. I love the sunshine. Honestly, if, if you need, to feel better you need to move to florida because <laughs> the sunshine has completely helped it's completely helped me I, I don't think i've really been sick in almost 3 years it's not amazing. really bad anyway just just being just being here and being part
0: of this church has just been life-giving to me so amazing all right so one one last question okay before we close i i want to know what does life look like today so basically if I'm asking you to summarize what are your biggest takeaways or biggest takeaway from what you learned through surrendering your plan that like you said may at times have been super over the top, all in, self all those things mm-hmm. that you described it as what what is your biggest takeaways from leaning into Jesus? and allowing him to work out those details of bringing your dream to fruition at some point. What does life look like today for you?
1: Hmm. What does life look like? Well, life looks better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, I can't explain it. I mean, it's happier. It's more joyful Mm -hmm. because I don't have this thing hanging over me Mm -hmm. all the time. Like, well, when is my next opportunity? When, what do I have to work for? What do I have to do right now? Um, it's just better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just better. And and I want to say that, like I can say, God, I'm giving this to you, but it's not a one-time thing. It's not like I'm just going to That's quit. so important. It's so important for everybody to know this. If you're get, turning something over to God, it, and and I used to say it's a daily thing. No, it's like sometimes it's 25 times in a mm-hmm. day. I mm-hmm. mean, it's anything. It's a, If it's sin that I'm struggling with or if it's just this need to feel important or mm-hmm. this need to... To feel like I have to do something and I'm not a sitter. I cannot stand sitting around doing nothing. I feel like I always have to be working. Right. I always have to be doing something. So sometimes I just have to turn that over and mm-hmm. say, you know what? I'm going to sit on the couch, God. I'm going to read. I'm going to read your word for 10 minutes. Right. And sometimes it's just turning that over to him and saying, okay, I'm going to give you God. I'm going to give you the next 10 minutes. I'm not going to I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm right. not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and do this. I don't have to go do laundry. I don't have to go clean the bathroom. Um, you know, it's it's a constant giving it up almost. And some days are better than others. Some days I look on mm-hmm. Facebook and I see all of the amazing things all of my friends are doing. And, oh, you know, that's what I wanted to do. But And then I have to kind of go back into my little corner and say, okay, that's what I wanted to do, but it really isn't what I want to do right, right now. Okay. You know what I mean? That is
0: so good. Somebody needs to hear that.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you just have to, I, I have to remember, no, that's the old me coming out saying, but that's what you wanted. Or right. it's, I don't, it's the enemy, I guess, saying that because sure. maybe, you know, at the moment, I really don't want that. I really don't want to go to Germany. Honestly, I really don't. I don't mm. know why. Sometimes I think that I do, but I really don't. I really don't. So I'm very, I'm very happy where I am and, and joyful and very content, I guess is the word that I'm looking for. I'm very content exactly where I am right now.
0: And that I think is what so many experience is just wanting to feel at peace and content with where you are. And then such a great reminder and such a great way of keeping it real and not so like super churchy that we're like, if you just give it over to Jesus, it's all fine. Well, Mm -hmm. it isn't It isn't. It's not. It's a (laughs) a battle. And it's It's something that we have to continue to turn over. But yet when we do that, he steps in faithfully and reminds us, hey, I see you. I hear you. I've got a plan for you. My plan is good. You know? And Mm -hmm. so it's that back and forth relationship, I think, that is so sweet. Now, all of this talk, and I know I said it's my last question, but there's one more thing I want you to tell everybody because it is so exciting. (laughs) Okay. Right? So you have not sung opera
1: or classical or classical, classical. Music for a while it's been a hot
0: minute <laughs> like like give us an example of hot minute. um
1: okay I think one of the last things that I did in was in Cincinnati maybe six years ago I sang with um one of the the local sy- symphonies out in um Fairfield it's called the Butler Philharmonic so it's a great great little symphony um in the suburbs of Cincinnati and I that was six six years ago and then I did um a recording, we did a recording for, um, one of the classical, I think it's, I don't remember the the company's name, but, um, we, we recorded some of the new, the new music. And that was, that was probably five or six years ago too. So that was the last time that I've ever really
0: done anything of this, you know, of classical nature. Okay. But yet we've talked about God gave you the desire to want mm-hmm. to do this. And God's giving you a tremendous ability to be able to do that. So, what happened? <laughs> Tell me what okay, happened okay. the night before the okay, pursuit. Okay. So,
1: this is really crazy. So, I'm, um, as I, I was diving in, getting ready for the pursuit conference and really just digging into my soul, honestly, like, who am I? And, you know, figuring out like, what, man, I was, I was like I was deep diving into that stuff, that world for a long time, and um, I was thinking, God, you know, I would still really, I would really like to sing. You know, it's been a while since I've really prayed that I, I would really, really like to do some singing. Um, so the night before, my friend, who is actually the mentor that I just talked about, um, she is a vocal coach in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And she was mine for several years. And she texted me and she was like, are you free May 9th? Because we need a soprano to come and sing um, Mozart and Beethoven. So the night before, it was like 8 o'clock the night before. And I was like, oh my gosh are you serious? I couldn't believe this text. I could not believe it. So I looked at Steven and I was like, you're not going to believe this text that I just got. You're not going to believe it. So he he was like, that's pretty amazing. Considering the past few weeks, how we had been going through all of these notes about, you know, what God had done in my life for all of these years and just all of it. It, it was crazy that I got that text. So, I, so I'm doing that two weeks from today, actually, May 9th. I'm, we're all going to South Carolina to sing Mozart and Beethoven. So that's
0: And I just exciting. think that's, that's the sweetness of God. Yeah. So it was the a very tenderness, sweet a kindness. gift. Yeah. Yes. And it was a gift. It's something that you weren't pursuing, but yet he knows that this is a desire of your heart. And he knows mm-hmm. I've given Samantha this most beautiful voice.
1: And he gives us good gifts. And that's what, what a gift is, is something we don't necessarily even deserve at the moment I mean or expect or expect Mm -hmm. yeah because if I you know I I always think well I deserved that and then I think no no (laughs) I really don't deserve any good things really but you know he gives us good gifts he pursues us even when we don't really want it we might Mm -hmm. say we do but we really don't and Mm -hmm. I that's the place that I go back and forth I go back and forth there all the time You know, God, do I really want you to be the Lord of my life? Yes, Mm -hmm. but am I, do I, you know, do I? So, and he pursues us and gives us good gifts all the time, even when we we don't deserve it and we aren't expecting it. And that's exactly what he just did for me.
0: Well, you couldn't have ended this any better than I could have. That's a wonderful way to end. Y'all, I am so glad that you listened in with us and Samantha. Thank you so much for just being transparent and honest and real with us. I appreciate you and I love you.
1: Well, I love you too. This was great. Thank you.